0: It's our weakness where your strength is made manifest. Father, we look to you. We look to you to encourage, to build up. Lord, ultimately, Lord, we, we desire to see your face in glory. We de- desire to hear your words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're so grateful and we're so thankful for the work that you have done. And as we approach in this week the celebration of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, may our praise reach you every moment of every day. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. So, for some of you, this will be ancient history. For others, it will be that was just yesterday. But uh, John Lennon once proclaimed, he said this this is a quote Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. Voltaire once proclaimed, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looked upon by the antiquarian curiosity seeker. Yet, in an ironic twist of providence, within 50 years after his death, the very house in which he once lived and wrote was used by the Evangelical Society of Geneva to store Bibles and gospel tracts. (laughs) Captain Edward Smith once proclaimed, I cannot imagine any condition which would cause this ship to founder. I cannot conceive of any vital disaster happening to this vessel. Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. Moreover, one of the crew members of this ship answered a passenger, even as the ship was sinking, God himself could not sink this ship. In 1912, the Bishop of Winchester said these words in a sermon marking the end of the RMS Titanic. RMS, if you've ever wondered, if you're British, you probably know, but it stands for Royal Mail Ship, M-A-I-L. Who knew it was a mail ship? Anyway, the RMS Titanic, the Bishop said this, Titanic name and thing, will stand as a monument and a warning to human presumption, as well it should. So there have been proclamations uh, all the time. I could go back through history. I could go even uh, today. Uh, some were true. Most were not, then every day, Uh, We're bombarded uh, with uh, proclamations that the world is going uh, to end very soon, whether it's by some nuclear uh, annihilation or whether it's some asteroid uh, devastation coming upon us or whether it's uh, climate change or whether it's flooding or ice or who knows. Whatever it is, we're going to all die very soon, If you listen to all these proclamations and yes, I think when they use the word near, this is going to happen near properly understood as imminent. That is nothing is required in scripture or prophecy. Uh, Nothing's left uh, before the Lord returns. So, uh, okay, okay. you know, maybe there's a measure of uh, truth in that. But for those of us who know the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, uh, we know certain things about the future. Today's message is somewhat about the future um, by looking into the past when it was yet future. And that is the proclamation uh, that stands out in history as one that is clear, as one that was at least those Who heard it, I would say, deafening uh, with clarion, clarity above the rest? We find it in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The first Christmas in, uh, in many respects is not dissimilar To Christmas today. I mean, Bethlehem was a crowded place. We have to understand that Mary and Joseph were not the only ones who had to return to Bethlehem because of the taxes. I mean, people were uh, stirring all over the place, uh, perhaps even sleeping in streets and alleys and even in other uh, places where the animals slept. We we don't know. What we do know is that all the beds were taken. People were everywhere, but the citizens of uh, Bethlehem, in all that hustle and bustle, they didn't receive the announcement. The proclamation that I just read didn't go to the mayor of Bethlehem The high priest didn't hear it either. The palace didn't hear. The temple didn't hear. Jerusalem didn't hear. Augustus, the Caesar, the royal court, they did not hear. None of the power brokers of the day received the announcement. Why? Because God was telegraphing his plans for his people. I mean, what a marvelous thing. What a marvelous thing that the story should first be told, proclaimed, not to kings and princes and princesses and royalty, but to shepherds. And so God, in his beautifully ironic way, uh, chooses to announce the birth of the man that Eve had longed for, not to somebody's, but to nobody's. Uh, He did so, I believe, to make apparent the truth that Jesus came to save sinners, not the righteous. Mark 2, 17 reads this way. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Shepherds were borderline outcasts. They didn't fit in. They were always traveling. They were always moving their sheep. They didn't have a home life to speak of. They would be out with them for days, for weeks, for extended periods of time. They didn't look good. They smelled. Their language was crude and harsh. They were uneducated, they were unsophisticated. And not only that, but the worst part of it, I think, at least for the Jewish people of that day, is that their very job did not allow them to be ceremonially clean. They were almost always ceremonially unclean. I mean, and in Jewish tradition, in order to fully participate in the religion and the faith, in the way that it operated, you had to undergo certain rituals, attend festivals and and services to be considered clean and acceptable to God. But because of their work, because of their handling of the animals all the time, because of the difficulties with that, they could almost never be ceremonially clean. Therefore, it was rare when they got to the temple Uh, mount, and then when they were even there, they were overlooked. We have to understand, they were outcasts in society. Uh, We don't see that as much here, but it's nevertheless uh, something that, I I would draw your uh, mind to an example of it if I could find one, but we don't really have uh, that so much here in in this country. But there were those who were literally, uh, outcasts. They weren't to be part of polite society. Uh, they also seemed to prefer lives of solitude more than others. They, were, they tended to be outsiders. And God made this announcement, this proclamation uh, of his son's birth to, uh, to people who were considered uh, outcasts. They were overlooked and they were outsiders. This is an amazing thing. They were not among the socially privileged. Uh, they didn't uh, meet the standards of, of religious uh, elite. Here's the point. God's proclamation came to those who were separated from society at large so that all could hear the good news, not simply the privileged. If this came to all people This didn't come simply to those who had wealth and power and influence. So how is it uh, that we are to hear that message today? What must we do to hear God's word today? Uh, You know, travel to Israel and become a shepherd? I don't think so. (laughs) However, we must be like the shepherds in order to hear. Uh, I think of the most important things in terms of to hear the message that God has for us today is that we must be still. I mean, Christmas by its very nature anticipates something that's on the horizon, which had never been seen before, and so it was possible not to see it. It was possible to miss it. So we need to, as the shepherds did, we need to sit, we need to linger, we need to tarry, we need to ponder, we need to wait. And to behold, like many of you, you understand this can be a busy time of the year, so much so uh, that in the hustle and bustle of the season, we could barely have time to think. I mean, just yesterday, so Barbara and I are out, we went to... Uh, What is it? Pecan Grove. And so we're driving around looking at these just wonderful, uh, wonderful lights. Some of them are so uh, beautiful. But at the same time, if you slow down just a bit, somebody's right on your bumper. Or they're flashing their lights. Or they speed around you like maniacs because there are people walking and it's, it's like, whoa, wait, can you not pause for just a moment? I mean, really, seriously, just chill for a bit. And, and I, I, you know, I think grocery stores and shopping centers and all that, not much different. And, and perhaps work for you may be the same as well. I mean, and then to top it off, there are scares, There are health scares. There are financial scares. There are relationship issues. There are all manner of things that are always with us. This week, not excluded. Christmas Day, not excluded. They're always with us. And yet, what God wants us to do is to wait patiently, to be still to allow a a calmness to flood our our souls because something important is about to happen. Psalm 46.10 reads, Be still and know that I am God. Like the shepherds, we too need to refrain from an overload of activity. What we need to do is find a place of quiet, I mean uh Christmas, Christmas by its very nature comes packaged <laughs> with a lot of noise. It's everywhere. Music uh playing, bells ringing if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, sorry. You know, Elliot jumping into the Salvation Army kettle, uh, the only way to move away from all this noise is to find a place of quiet. And so I'm reminded of the song Silent Night. I, listen Listen to the words, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. I mean, that's what we all want to experience, right? Don't you? Silence, calm peace, restful sleep. At the beginning of uh, this message, I mentioned a truly despicable quote by John Lennon, the man who wrote Imagine, and some of the lyrics of that are, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, Only sky. I'm reminded of Les Mis and the song where the thieves and the cheats are singing and and they point up in the heavens and the only thing looking down at us is the moon, just the harvest moon. Now, to some people, that's an anthem. Uh, To others, it's something quite different. John wrote that song in 1971. And so, for those of you who are interested in this sort of thing, he actually acknowledged later that the song and the inspiration for the song and writing the song didn't come from him. It came from Yoko Ono. Actually, he said it came right out of uh, Grapefruit. Grapefruit was a book of poetry that she had written in 1964. He said, I found this a... Uh, quite interesting, another quote from him. A lot of it, the lyric and the concept came from Yoko, but in those days I was um, I was a bit more selfish, a bit more macho, and I sort of, sort of omitted her contribution. <laughs> so he acknowledged that later. Uh, so what? Well, the so what is this. Something happened between 1971 and 1977. Whether you realize it or not, John Lennon began to listen to Billy Graham. John Lennon began to listen to Oral Roberts and some of the other televangelists. And John Lennon became very involved in... What I would call the fear of hell. (laughs) Something that I know well, knew well. Author Steve Turner, in his book, The Gospel According to the Beatles, quotes Lennon's letter uh, that they got into an exchange with Oral Roberts. He said this Explain to me what Christianity can do for me. Is it phony? Can he really love me? I want out of hell. And so in his reply, Robert shared Jesus' invitation to everyone to come to him and his promise that he would give them rest. Roberts continued in his letter, You said, John, that you take drugs because reality frightens you. Telling him, Jesus, the true reality is not hard to face. Remember, as you open your life to Jesus, he will take away fear and give you peace. Now, the interesting part of all this is that a short time later, John Lennon told his close friends that he had become a born-again Christian. He even wrote Christian songs, none of which you've ever heard, but you can find the lyrics to them. One of them entitled, Amen, which was a musical version of the Lord's Prayer. In 1977, on Easter Sunday, Lennon and Yoko Ono went to Easter services and they attended church. Did he trust Christ? He claims to have done so. Regardless... What he did do in print and not just to telling to his close friends is that he apologized for the statement that he had made about Christ. Three years later, you all know that he was murdered. Roberts hit the nail on the head. Lennon wanted peace. I find that's the central thing to the coming One who we celebrate on Christmas Day. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And on earth peace. The proclamation was this, that while all kings were once babies, only one king became a baby. And so God demonstrated that he loves you and me regardless of our station, regardless of our birth in order to bring us peace, peace with one another and peace with our God. I'll close this part of our time together with a poem. It was popular some years ago, but uh, even now it may be new to some of you. I, I don't know. James Allen Francis wrote it in 1926. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him, and he was turned over to his enemies and went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves, and while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. So now we transition from a sermon about proclamations to words of recognition. As you all know, Dan and Laura will be leaving us on January the 1st, mere days from now. And, it is, uh, and so it was that the elders thought that, that uh, we should take a few moments to recognize them, give them opportunity uh, as well to offer thanks to God Uh, for their presence among us the last four years. Dan and I go way back. Uh, We first met at Dallas Seminary in 1981. Uh, We had common goals for the future. Children close in age, uh, we became fast friends. Dan's wife at the time, uh, Beth, had a true servant's heart. We'll never forget the time uh, when she found out that we were sick. We were both sick. She came over to bring us some food, and as soon as she saw our state, she said she insisted on taking our four-month-old, two-year-old, and four-year-old daughter home with her until we got better. And as we both juggled family and school and work every day, uh, getting seminary through seminary was was not easy, as I Painted houses and hung wallpaper, and Dan worked on a dock. Uh, but both of us were very successful at cramming uh, four years of seminary into six. And uh, so we have a graduation picture in the office. We're see if you can, if you ever care to, you can go there and look. And we're we're both there in the back, <laughs> way in the back. <laughs> After graduation in 1987, we went our separate ways, but we we managed to stay in contact. Uh, when Dan uh, Bath and Company went to serve God in Germany, Barb and I joined their their prayer support team. We still have the little Christmas cards, ornament cards that they would send, and uh, you know, as a little thank you uh, every year. We were able to get over there and visit them a couple of times in in Germany. And uh, but as you all know. Uh, As is uh, life's way, Uh, there are hardships. And 20 years ago, uh, Dan's wife, Beth, sadly, uh, was diagnosed with cancer and soon died. That was a great loss for Dan and for the children and all those around him. Yet from that difficult path, Dan found another love, Laura, and another ministry, he finished his Doctor of Ministry degree from Dallas Seminary. Um, Laura has a servant's heart, and uh, she too, having served as a missionary in in uh, German area Europe, uh, Europe, <laughs> they had a lot in common. And so, after their marriage, they uh, Dan pastored several churches from. I think from new york all over to Kansas, and uh he had a has a passion for teaching scripture, starting churches and uh, discipleship. It was on April the first uh, that Dan and Laura felt that god uh, were directing them, I should say in two thousand and eighteen, directing them to a new ministry and so barb we Barb and I were driving we were over by the uh, airport. Uh, the Sugarland Airport. And so she's reading me this email. And I did something I never do. Barb can tell you I do not do this. When she says, John, you should call, or please call, or you need to call, I'm like, yeah, no, it ain't happening. And definitely not while I'm driving. But the Lord impressed on my heart. And so literally, while she's reading this thing, I pull over at the airport and I call. Uh, Dan, and in the conversation, I asked Dan if he was looking to be a pastor of another church, and his answer caught me by surprise. He said, no, I want to be part of a team, perhaps Christian education. Now, at the beginning of the call, I had no intent or even the notion of asking him to candidate for First Colony, even though we were were looking for someone, but after a long discussion, I asked Dan, I said, you know, would you mind if I put your name before the elders? He said, no, I, I wouldn't mind. And uh, the rest, shall we say, is history. Dan and Laura quickly dove into the life of the chapel, and in addition to Dan becoming the pastor of Christian education, Laura soon became the chapel secretary. While ministry has always been uh, Dan and Laura's calling as well, the locations have varied. So this past uh, August, Dan informed the elders and the deacons that he felt the Lord was calling him to another ministry. Where? Do not yet know, uh, but the leading uh, is clear. So, Dan, your chapel involvement and your ministry to our children, youth, adults, those you discipled, uh, will yield dividends long after you've gone. And, Laura, your gracious and loving heart and spirit have made an indelible mark on all of us and while we're sad to see you go uh, we're thrilled that you are calling uh, uh, that you're following the call of God in your lives and we do wish you the very uh, best Dan I I valued and will continue to value your friendship over the past uh, 41 years and uh, working alongside you these past four years has been a Blessing. I can tell you that your hard work on Kuruks on Tan Lagan, ask me later, helped both of us through a very challenging time. Uh, was it coincidence that you sent out that message on April, uh, the beginning in 2018, that Barb read it, that the Holy Spirit prompted me to pull over and give you a call? Yeah, No, I don't think so. Uh, you and Laura coming to First Colony Bible Chapel was nothing short of God's immediacy and direction in your lives. And may God continue to do that kind of miraculous thing uh, as he directs your journey together. So Dan and Laura, please come up in the front uh, along with the elders so that we may pray for you and give you our blessing
1: before we pray for them i've got something to to share with them we asked the, uh, the congregation gave them the opportunity to contribute to a love gift to show their appreciation for what you've done and the time here and to wish you well on the next stage of your life and uh, as god will lead you and this is what it came out to well, along with what John said, um, it's been our privilege to be able to serve here. And um, uh, it was a wonderful help to us and a wonderful assurance of the Lord's leading for uh, the Lord to bring us here. And uh, even though parting is a sweet sorrow, uh, we understand that uh, for us, the Lord is calling us. Uh, we're not exactly sure where, but to step into a new ministry someplace in our prayers are with the chapel our prayers are for your um growth and health and for hopefully getting some young blood in here uh, and not that our blood is really old or anything you know but i mean you know i mean there, there is younger blood around i've seen it somewhere but anyway that uh that has been part of the lord's influence in the decision too but we are very thankful we have made friends here uh for life we know and so thank you very much and thank you for the gift
2: Well, let's go ahead and pray for them. God and our Father, we thank you that you are the one who supply laborers, and uh, and certainly uh, when we think of Dan and Laura, that thought comes to mind. They have diligently worked for the blessing and the benefit of the folks here at First Colony Bible Chapel. We are so thankful um, for the time that we had with them, as brief as it was, and for all of the the connections that they've made, all the lives that they have enriched uh, during the time of ministry here. And uh, we know, Father, that uh, you have a clear call upon them and you have another field of labor. We commit them to that field uh, with all of our good thoughts and wishes and continued prayers. And uh, we just ask them, Father, that you would uh, continue to make them fruitful, even as you have made them fruitful, that they would find a field of endeavor uh, that is uh, according to your will and that you would uh, allow them to continue to bless and minister to, that, uh, to others, even as they have here. We commit them into your safekeeping and just uh, ask that you would watch over them and, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.